Welcome to your Monday Night Raw review here on the WWE Podcast. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about tonight with an eventful Monday Night Raw that just took place, including Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley going face-to-face, Brock Lesnar cracking a knock-knock joke, Maurice walking out on The Miz, new Raw Tag Team Champions, and Becky Lynch has her Royal Rumble opponent. All that and so much more right after this. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects, but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitaly Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitalyboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, it's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks, affectionados, or um, wherever you may get your coffee, we all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market, and customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on JudgeMe. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases, so you know they're not just creating these manufactured, uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to vitaliboost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitaly Boost's health guide at vitalyboost.com. Again, V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. And right there, you'll find information from peer-reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitaly Boost's supplements. All of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder, go to vitalyboost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's vitalyboost.com, V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. One that everybody wants me. This is my idol. You're gonna acknowledge me. Hey everybody, welcome to the Monday Night Raw review on the WWE Podcast, the unofficial WWE Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well on this Tuesday, January eleventh, twenty twenty-two. And we are in the heart of winter. And if you live in the northern United States, my friend, you are in the thick of it. And the good news is, 
in a, in about three four weeks, the uh, things should actually start going the other way with averages and temperatures. Not a bad thing. So we are actually right now in the dead of winter. We are at the bottom of the valley. If you hate winter, I'm on board with that, and you're ready to get the hell out of this uh, this winter. Then um, right now is the worst of it, and we're already starting to see warmer or uh, rather not warmer days necessarily, but brighter days. The sunlight is uh, a little bit more noticeable during the day. So just wanted to start off with something positive, unwrestling related, that if you don't like the dark and cold, and you specifically live, say, north of, like, Virginia, um, yeah, this it gets tough. It gets tough, and uh, we are in the thick of it. But after you get through January, you're like, okay, February is really the last bad month. March goes back and forth, and then you're in the clear, right? So... Uh, anyway, on, on to pro wrestling. I didn't mean, mean to give a weather report, um, but I just wanted to start off with something positive uh, because I have I have a lot. You know what? I don't have a, a ton of rants about this show, about Monday Night Raw. I did write some notes as I was watching the show that are just kind of head-scratchingly like, what the hell's going on? Uh, but overall, I you know what? Overall, I thought Raw was another solid show. I didn't think it was as good as last week, but it it, it delivered. Um, the Philadelphia crowd was a tough crowd. I got to say they were tough, but as expected in Philadelphia and amazing that when WWE is in a city, they're proud of, they mention it in every promo. Either somebody has to mention the local sports team, either positively or negatively pop culture, positively or negatively uh, talk about the nicknames of it being a fighting city or the city of brotherly love or the, 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 the whole stereotype about cheese steaks and, and, uh, in Philadelphia, right? Like everybody has to talk about the city every single time when they're in a city they're proud of. When they're not, they either don't address the place they're in or they say generally, New England, South Carolina, and they don't mention the city because God forbid they say Evansville or they, you know, they say whatever. So I, I know I mention that every time, but it's just so, so um, just small of them every time that they do that. And here we are in Philadelphia and boy, they were loud and proud about it. I'm surprised they didn't have a PowerPoint presentation on it. So here we are, Philadelphia, Monday Night Raw, and an eventful Raw. And you know what? Uh, we're going to talk about Brock and, and Bobby in a second. But first, I just invite you quickly. You want to support the show? Two quick ways. Go ad-free on Patreon or on Apple Podcasts. We have a subscribe button there uh, for ad-free. Or you can also give us a five-star rating. Cost you nothing. Five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's all I'll say. Enough for my... Uh, shameless plugs. Let's move into Monday Night Raw, and again, decent show. But this it, start, it started off with Brock and and uh, Paul Heyman, very vintage Paul Heyman coming out and doing his for the one millionth time. My name's Paul Heyman, and you know I'm the advocate for the reigning, defending all, all that. And you know it, it's fine. You know everybody does sing along with that at this point. And then Brock takes the mic, and shoot, soon after Bobby Lashley comes out. I mean, we don't wait. Bobby gets right into it. And Bobby Lashley gets in the face of Brock. And this is where things get kind of weird for me. Like, how does Brock Lesnar not know who Bobby Lashley is? I mean, I know that they're playing on the stereotype that Brock lives in Brock's bubble. Brock does what Brock wants. Brock doesn't know any. He still has a flip phone, right? I mean, we saw that whole thing a number of months ago. Like, uh, fine. You know, but really? You don't know who Bobby Lashley... I mean, we all know he really does in, not, in real life, of course. But do we have to go to the level of not... Pret- or, or pretending that Brock doesn't know who Bobby is? 
to be honest, I don't think that's a good way to go. Because what they're trying to do, of course, is make Brock look like the bigger star. And you know what he is. But you want to also elevate your opponent and make this match feel as big as possible. In order to do that, you want to be able to give credibility to both individuals, not just your bigger star. And when you have your bigger star saying they don't know who your your little star is, you're, you're smaller, you're, I guess your less uh, magnified star is, then you're doing that at what? The expense of that, um, of the secondary individual? Why? To, to, to what? Further the, the Brock narrative that he's the guy that lives in his own bubble and you know, only Brock knows who Brock is. Like that, that to me, that's again, that that's a net negative for what you think you're gaining of building Brock's personality. You're also taking away of Bobby Lashley's credibility because Bobby Lashley has been around for 20 years. And I don't think anybody believes even in storyline that the Brock Lesnar character doesn't know who Bobby Lashley is. I mean, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Like, no, we don't. And, you know, I, I also think that the crowd wasn't really into Brock's jokes and things. Um, and I think it did actually disrespect Bobby in a way, uh, you know, in, in a way that it did hurt his character. I mean, if, if we wanted to make this feel as big as possible, wouldn't you want Brock Lesnar to be the one to say, you know, I, I've been waiting for this too, you know, or, or that I've seen our careers paralleled, all this kind of thing. And instead, they just went the, the Brock Lesnar egomaniac in a baby face paint uh, in a baby face, I guess, rose colored glasses way. They they went that road like Brock Lesnar right now is an egomaniac, but in a kind of likable way. And it's to me, I don't know. I, I don't think it was the right approach for this face to face, a face to face that many people have been waiting for forever. And all of a sudden we are supposed to we, we, we get the narrative that Brock doesn't know who Bobby is. Come on. I, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. But still cool that they're face to face. It has been a 20 year uh, somehow avoidance of one another. Uh, Brock's message that he has been winning championships, which is why he hasn't been in the same stratosphere as Bobby, because Bobby hasn't been. Um, that is, to me, you know, that I understand. That makes sense. But Bobby Lashley, again, is a physical specimen of otherworldly proportions. I mean, Bobby Lashley is, he is, you know, he's like 18 men put together, uh, 18 average men put together in terms of muscle mass, endurance, size, everything else. Um, and it's just, I don't think does a whole lot for Bobby. That said, you know, Brock Lesnar and, and Bobby not going, getting physical. I'm totally fine with, in fact, I don't want them getting physical until the pay-per-view in three weeks. Now, I don't want them getting physical. I am all about waiting. I'm all about and have patience for the wait, the build. Let's do this. Um, you know, eventually we of course will get to MVP versus Paul Heyman. That will be a war of words worth watching. Uh, maybe that'll come next week or the week after. Uh, and, and no doubt about that. Now, we did get Shelton and Cedric backstage before this whole thing went down, pleading with or just assuming that the Hurt Business was back together. Now, what made them believe that? I don't know. This has just been the most convoluted, bizarre breakup, back together, breakup, back together, now official breakup again uh, of the of the. Her business, of which a group that should never have broken up to begin with. Now we have them get beat up after they tried to attack Bobby after Bobby before the show, before he went out, basically told them that 
you know, you guys don't get the message. I don't need anybody. I'm by myself. And then they tried to attack Bobby after Brock left the ring. And Bobby was just, I mean, he dominated them as expected. That They were just there to make Bobby look strong. That's all it was. It was to, even though Brock Lesnar got the last word, Bobby was uh, vindicated by, or at least balanced out by those two individuals trying to come out and Bobby just completely decimating them. So that's that's the little bit of a safety net that they gave Bobby on Raw. And that's fine. You know, I, I don't think that that didn't make sense. It did. But um, I don't need Cedric and Shelton anymore. They are just two lukewarm, somewhat sentient bodies that they trot out there every few weeks and have unfortunately been misused and misbooked since the Hurt Business broke up a year ago. Um, it might have been a year ago. I have to look at when they broke up. It feels like a long time ago. And it just is uh, its a travesty for those two um, that are ultra-talented, especially Cedric, who's more of the future than Shelton. Shelton, obviously, is uh, on the twilight end of his career. But uh, nonetheless, it was still a solid opening to the show. And Brock Lesnar likely got on his plane the second he got backstage and flew back home. And that's Brock Lesnar. And uh, you know what? <laughs> if I were him, I would too. You know, I'm sure he didn't stick backstage to hang out with the boys and give advice and be the last man out of the arena. I, I can almost guarantee it. And that's fine. It's cool. That's who Brock is. And this new iteration of the Brock Lesnar character, I'm starting to warm up to it a little bit. The, the cracking jokes thing is, I don't know. He's not a totally different character. Like he still can be serious when need be. And his in-ring work is still very good. And um, he still is a beast in the ring. It's just kind of like this extra outer layer that has been added to the Brock Lesnar character that once you pierce, you get the serious Brock that we've all seen before and seen for two decades now. But it's that extra outside layer of the onion. That's the food I'm thinking of. But it's that layer that somehow was added. And they decided to add Brock Lesnar or Vince or whoever decided to add. And it's just another part of his character, another part that they want to explore before they aren't able to have him around anymore. He's not going to be around forever. This guy is not young. I mean, let, let me Google this because I, I want to know offhand, uh, Brock, how old is Brock Lesnar? He is 44. All right, so Brock Lesnar is 44 years old. Okay, so uh, he does not have a whole lot of time left. I would say, you know, maybe if he hangs around in WWE on a part-time basis, maybe like a f- few years. I wouldn't say he makes it to 50. I would say 46, 47. That's my guess. But he doesn't need, he doesn't need the money at this point, unless he's just trying to stockpile it. But who knows? Uh, anyway, solid start to Raw. No issues there. And um, I want to see MVP, and I want to see Heyman, which we will see, hopefully. Okay, now where do I go next? Where do I go next? Again, solid open to the show. Not perfect, but solid. And I'm very scared of where to go to go next. Okay. Let's start with the, you know, let's go with, with what happened next. The Raw Tag Team Championship, Alpha Academy defeating RK Bro via pinfall to win the titles. So Randy and Riddle lose the belts. I and others have alluded to the fact that when they lose them, especially near WrestleMania time, look out, this could be the beginning of the end. And this very well could be. Don't forget, too, the Rumble is in St. Louis. Now, whose hometown is that? Out of Riddle and Randy. Right. 
Randy Orton's hometown. So that would lead me to believe perhaps we get a riddle turn to gain sympathy on Randy in, in his hometown because trying to turn Randy in his hometown again, fans may not react the way that you want them to in his hometown. Like, I mean, if, if a wrestler's from a specific city and you go to that specific city and you try to get them to boo that person, it's not very easy to do. I've seen it done. I've seen it done. But it's not easy. And I wouldn't try to swim upstream needlessly. So to me, unless they're not going to do a turn at Rumble, then don't do it at all. Unless you're having Riddle turn on Randy in St. Louis. To me, that's the best option here. Um, my guess is that they get that rematch against Alpha Academy at the Rumble. And then they lose that rematch. And then Riddle turns on Randy at the Rumble. That's how I think it goes. Because they'll get the rematch and they'll be back together next week. And you know, saying that they'll be fine and all that stuff. And we need to get these belts back and... That kind of thing. So, and also don't forget, Randy said to Riddle that what do we do when we're in trouble? What do we do? We tag in Randy. And that's exactly what Riddle did. And Randy lost the match clean to Otis. Um, and Otis Otis beat him essentially with a, a, a what is it? Um, a world's strongest slam. I mean, it, it was one move and done. I like that. I like when finishers actually once in a while, only one of them causes a pinfall, as it should. Otherwise, why call it a finish? I mean, start naming the moves just like false finish one, false finish two. I mean, why even call them a finish if they truly don't ever finish the match? I mean, at this point, Dolph Ziggler should just call the zigzag transition move one, transition move two. I mean, like, you know, zigzag has got to be one of the most kicked out moves, finishes of all time. But um, so that's my guess. That's how I believe it happens. At the Rumble is Riddle turning on Randy. So we'll see if that happens. But this overall was a, a decent match. It, you know, anytime you have Riddle and Gable in the match, I mean, these two are ultra athletic, true athletic backgrounds. I mean, you're, you're, you know, these aren't two guys that they just picked up off the street. You know, some bodybuilders. These are two credentialed athletes. And you get them in the ring, and uh, it's just another world. Uh, most get, most guys can't handle hang with them, and they are. I mean, you have one true Olympic athlete in Chad Gable, and the announcers put him over like a million bucks. I, I did they did a nice job about talking about his his uh, achievements and saying how you know winning a state championship is one thing, but going to the Olympics is a whole different thing. And it's true. I think it was uh, Jimmy Smith who put him over. So good stuff here. So. Yeah, Riddle and Randy, no longer. RK-Bro is no longer, are no longer your tag team champions. Okay, uh, let's see. What do I go with next? Let's talk about Nikki A.S.H. Let's talk about Nikki. Let's talk about Rhea. Because I like this. I liked this. You heard me right. You, I didn't stutter, and you didn't have your audio skip. I liked a segment in which Nikki Nikki A.S.H. was a part of it. <laughs> Why? Because Nikki turned heel. I was advocating for this when she came up with the awful, god-awful character that worked for like a week. And you only had you know, the prepubescent fans uh, you know, cheering while their parents rolling their, or rolling their eyes. Or if you had the parents cheering, it was only because like, woo, what a positive message for my, for my children. 
you know, as if it's some kind of PBS special. I mean, essentially, Nikki A.S.H. was a walking PBS Saturday morning special. That's all she was. And it made my stomach churn. And look, I'm a parent, too. But I don't go to wrestling, nor would I expect wrestling to provide me with solid, wholesome, soul-encouraging messages, right? You go there for entertainment, a bonding experience with your kids. You don't, and nor should you put that responsibility on WWE. So if you're a parent that goes there and you expect WWE to provide those kinds of messages, you know, like, you're the you're the reason why wrestling sucks sometimes because unfortunately WWE gets pressure from a lot of these organizations to provide those messages and you may say what's wrong with those messages those are positive you know wonderful but that's not that's not wrestling's place you know like that's not wrestling's place to do that I I, I don't mind occasionally they do like you know of course charities and uh, they they do uh, some wonderful you know kids cancer uh, contributions and partnerships fine. Of course, kids' cancer is way infinitely more important. But my point is when they bring characters in, they bring characters in that are supposed to be this wholesome connection to your kids and everyone outright rejects them. I mean, that's your message. That that's your that is your cue right there. Doesn't work. You know, it's too wholesome, too phony. And that's exactly what Nikki ASH was and didn't why she didn't work. And that's why I said at the time that she should turn heel. And I said, and no one's going to remember this, which is fine. Uh, I'm not making this up. I'm not money morning quarterbacking. I'm just simply stating a fact and I'm wrong way more than I'm right. So when I'm right, I like to point it out. Um, but Nikki, when I said she, when she did this terribleness, I was saying for a couple of weeks, look, if she just turned heel, imagine how great of a heel this would be. This, this delusional, this delusional star that believes she's almost a superhero and comes out and says all these positive things. And no matter what, she can beat everyone. And she just will use the, you know, the, um, the power of positivity to pun the new day to overcome all the odds. Just imagine how insufferable that would be. But if she took it to the nth degree and now we're, doing, we're seeing it, we're seeing the results of that right now, except it's like four months late, but we're getting it. I mean, they tried to squeeze every possible piece of or every drop of juice out of what this tag team was. And that was essentially a ragtag team, which now means, which now means that Selena, Queen Selena and Carmella are going unopposed as tag team champions. I mean, that's essentially what happens, right? You become tag team, women's tag team champions. And uh, after that, all tag teams that are opposing you just dissolve, right? Like you are, you are the lonesome tag team in the division. That's just what happens. For God's sakes, just delete the women's tag team division and just back burner the women's tag team belts until you have a credible, respectable division for the love of God. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But Nikki here, this was good stuff. And here are some of my notes because Nikki um, came out and actually, let me, let me read my notes here. Um, uh, here. Here's what I said. I said that uh, Nikki comes across as a needy, whiny, gaslighting bee. I mean, rhymes, rhymes with itch. Um, needing validation that she wants Rhea to still believe in her. And that's exactly what I said. Before she actually made the turn, that's exactly what I said. She's a needy, whiny, gaslighting, I'll just say, witch. Needing validation. 
that she wants Rhea to still believe, says she still believe in her. So she's trying to compel speech from Rhea, need that validation. She's like the awful person you're trying to break up with. And they're saying it's your fault without saying it's your fault. And it, it's just like this whole gaslighting situation. Like it's, it's um, like the worst possible person. She was coming across just so needy and clingy and like, why don't you like me? And no, we can still be like all this stuff. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, if they're seriously trying to keep her baby face here, how, 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 who, who is, who is possibly writing this? It can't be a human being writing this. And lo and behold, Nikki after that, and they, they agreed to be friends after Nikki said, okay, we can still be friends after Rhea said it, just we need to go our separate ways and we'll still always be friends and all this. Um, Nikki went to cheer to the crowd and she put her hand up and the crowd just didn't do anything. They kind of booed. I was thinking, this was a very interesting situation because honestly, no matter what they did here, I believe that Nikki would have been booed no matter what. And Nick Rhea would have been cheered through the roof. Honestly, I would have loved to have seen them, even though Nikki was the one to attack Rhea here. And then at the end, she said, superheroes don't need friends or something. And that that's fine. We'll get to that. What actually happened, which is again, fine. And the crowd reacted appropriately by booing Nikki. But to me, what would have been more fun was having Rhea, turn on Nikki, but the crowd cheer it. It would have been a very Becky Lynch, Charlotte situation in terms of just reaction where they try to turn someone heel, but didn't see the forest through the trees and realize that the fans despise the Nikki uh, character, see through it as a phony Sunday, uh, Saturday morning PBS special. And that Rhea here is the one that believe people believe have been held back in a tag team. And people would have cheered the hell out of Rhea Ripley. Had she just, just completely cold cocked uh Nikki in the face and just beat her down. The crowd would have gone ballistic. I, I believe that. You could feel it, especially in Philadelphia. That that Philadelphia crowd would have eaten Nikki alive and would have absolutely cheered Rhea Ripley. But but somebody was smart enough to realize that not only was the speech to Rhea actually a precursor what to what she was about to do, which makes sense now, but also not to try that because it's a very real possibility, especially in Philly, in a very hardcore, quote unquote, uh, tough crowd, that you would have had the complete opposite reaction and it would have turned Nikki heel anyway. So they just went with what the smart choice was, having Nikki turn heel and Rhea is the baby face. And now we have the insufferable Nikki in the appropriate role, in the appropriate role. So now she's acceptable and believable as this delusional, almost a superhero uh, character who just always thinks that people are admiring her, always thinks that people are rooting for her, and there's nothing that can stop her or 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 get her spirits down. Like, how much do you want to knock somebody on their ass now, right? Somebody that is actually like that, which she was to, really to begin with, but they somehow formed it into a babyface character. Now, uh, it's a it's a um, it's a heel character, and much more appropriately so. So I really enjoyed this, and uh, I think it's the right right move for Nikki to turn heel. Um, you know, I, I think that's the right move. I think that it's going to work, and it's going to revive her her career. And that the the, the um, announcers even alluded to that. They basically said that this rev- could revive her career. I think it will, uh, because Nikki has been a, a DOA character 
for a couple of months now. I mean, let's be serious. So this is going to be good. This is uh, this is going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. It's also going to reinvigorate Rhea. I mean, the split here is going to, it's benefiting both. No doubt. Uh, Omos defeats Nick Sanders via pinfall after a choke bomb. Um, there, there's really nothing to say here. Nothing at all. Sanders was a scrawny enhancement talent. And that's how CBS Sports wrote them up. And that's exactly what this was. It was a squash. And uh, Omos is going to meet Reggie next week in a match. Of which, it's squash again. So Omos is kind of teetering, tottering around. He's likely not going to do anything until he gets to the Rumble. In which he'll have a big moment in the Rumble or two. I don't think he'll win it. But I do believe Omos is going to have a huge moment or two in that Royal Rumble. All right, let's take a quick break for the sponsor of today's episode, and then we'll be back with more Monday Night Raw right after this. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitali Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitaliboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, it's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you, the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks affectionados or um, wherever you may get your coffee, We all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market. And customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on Judge Me. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases. So you know they're not just creating these manufactured, uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to vitaliboost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitali Boost's health guide at vitaliboost.com. Uh, again, V-I-T-A. LIboost.com. And right there, you'll find information from peer reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitaly Boost supplements. All of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder go to VitalyBoost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's VitalyBoost.com. V-I-T-A-L-I Boost.com. Welcome back to the WWE Podcast. Let's get back to more great wrestling audio. All right. Let's talk a little bit more about Raw. 
We got more stuff to talk about. We got more stuff. <laughs> we got more stuff. So let's start off with something a little less significant, though. Apollo Crews, Ziggler, Rude, defeat the Street Profits and Damian Priest via pinfall when Ziggler pinned Angelo Dawkins with a zigzag. So I guess I eat my words this week. I did not see the finish of this match. I saw some some highlights, but I actually didn't see out of those highlights the finish. And uh, so I eat my words that the zigzag is the most kicked out finish of all time. Although, okay, one, he, he gets a finish. The zigzag used once for a finish out of like a hundred times. This is like one to a hundred ratio. So lightning strikes with the zigzag. And then the other 99 times he uses it, it will just be a transition move. Fine. You know, fine. Uh, the zigzag gets a actual W this week. I guess uh, even, even uh, you know, losing finishes have to get a win every once in a while. And uh, boy, you got to say that the uh, Street Profits are on the descent right now in terms of wins and loss records. Uh, but Ziggler and Rude, boy, um, they actually seem to be getting a quote-unquote push. Do they? Is, is, this, is, this a, is, is this a mirage? What is this? Is this real? I don't know. We'll find out. But them beating the Street Profits, it's significant. And, you know, and Damian Priest, of course, too, is on the losing end, but not taking the pinfall himself. It's still significant when you think about it. And we'll see if this puts them in line. Ziggler, anyway. Ziggler and uh, Rude in line for another, perhaps, perhaps another tag team title match. You know, it's it's possible. Apollo Crews is along for the ride right now. And boy, he is... Uh, I really am sad about where Apollo Crews lives right now because Apollo Crews, what he showed last year before WrestleMania with his match with Big E, and that was such a really an excellent build to that match, an excellent build. I remember how great it was, and, you know, and you had Apollo Crews just come out of nowhere with this heel gimmick and just shine. And since that time after Mania, it's been um, slowly getting worse and worse for Apollo. And I, I, I don't know what, why or how he's a, I mean, incredible athlete. He's got a solid character. He knows who he is. He's a good heel. He's got a bodyguard to boot and they've just essentially sidelined him for six months. And I don't know why and that that's just kind of WWE's thing. They just take somebody and rotate them into the, the bullpen and let them sit there and rot away for a while. And when they decide they need, they need them, they pull them back out and dust them off. And, uh, you know, they, 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 you know, they give you enough shine to make you relevant again. And then you sometimes go right back in. It depends. It's it's a bizarre system here. But Apollo Crews to me is a completely underutilized talent. And it's a shame that they're not doing more with him. I'm a big fan of Apollo Crews, um, at, at least since he's made that heel change. OK, when he was just smiling, insufferable Apollo Crews, just kind of the generic smiling baby face Apollo Crews. I didn't like it when he made that flip. The switch went off for me. So. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about a couple of things. Number one, Seth Rollins and Biggie. So here, here's what I have in a couple of my notes here. I was appreciative when Seth came out and the crowd was appro- appropriately responding to him, booing him. And Seth knows how to work a crowd. He's an expert at this point. He is coming into his own. Said that a million times. Uh, lost some momentum over the last several months. Seems to have at least kind of found the road again. And uh, he, along with management, it seems like, have at least decided to address the elephant in the room of how, 
how did I get this Universal Championship match? Well, <laughs> Seth's answer was, I, I don't know if I'm getting this exactly word for word, but it's close. He said that he took things into his own hands. What? 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 Yeah, so that, that's exactly how I feel, Austin. Yeah, what? What? What, what do you mean you took things? Okay, fine. That, that's, that's how you start a story. The, what exactly did you do to take things into your own hands? So they've at least acknowledged the elf, elephant in the room that, hey, I was drafted to Raw. I cannot be a participant on SmackDown because of the draft. So how exactly, how exactly does that work? How exactly did you take things into your own hands? What does that mean? Right? I, am I asking for too much? Why? And I know there's a lot of people out there that don't care. There's a lot of people. Look, we're, we're getting the matchup. Isn't that cool? Well, number one, it's heel versus heel, right? That's never the greatest dynamic. Yes, it's a matchup we haven't seen in a while, but it's heel heel. So maybe that's going to change when things come push comes to shove, but it's still heel heel. It's always kind of weird, but uh, I'll, I'd accept it if they'd at least explain it. Explain it to me. Was there a one-time exception in the contract of Seth? Where exactly did Paul Heyman advocate for him? He says that he didn't need a snake oil salesman, but what happened here? And apparently he just, just taking things in my own hands. Uh, by doing what? Just showing up? If, if, if taking things in your own hands means just showing up, then there is no draft split. There are no draft rules. Because if that's what the implication was by taking things in your own hands by just showing up and... And, and then going to Adam Pierce on SmackDown when you're a Raw star, then there is no brand split because that means anybody could do that. No one's, no security's not going to kick you out. It does, it, this is, this is just ridiculous. And it's, it's hard for me to say that given that it's in a Roman Reigns storyline. It's more, this is a really a um, referendum on management. It's a referendum on creative. It's a referendum on Vince McMahon. They don't explain this. They don't explain Brock Lesnar's suspension being lifted. It's, uh, I almost, I almost said a couple of four letter words. It's effing lazy. It's lazy. It's cowardly. It's inept that they can't even bother to tell you big. These are big details. These aren't just like little things that don't matter. And oh, we get the match anyway. This is what erodes the trust and emotional investment of people in storylines. When reality is taken completely out and you take huge chunks of the story and go, well, fans don't care. It's all about the destination. It's all about the matchup they get. They don't care how we get there. Uh, no, no. The formula for successful pro wrestling promotion has not changed. Human psychology has not changed. People will still want to be told a story. You guys are all about promoting storytelling and how you're storytellers. You're not wrestlers. You're storytellers. Well, then tell me a story. If you're so damn good at it. You're the ones telling me that you're storytellers. Then tell me a story. And yet they don't do that. They give you bits and pieces of a story. They give you a destination and they don't tell you how they get there. That's not storytelling. That's not storytelling. That's kindergarten lazy booking. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm done with it. I mean, I'm, I'm done with it. So I'll leave it there. 
But that's what Seth said. And I'm not putting this on Seth. I would imagine that this has nothing to do with Seth Rollins himself. He's doing what he's told. But that's that. Okay. Uh, moving on to something else about this, though, with Big E coming out. The reaction for Big E, subpar. And yes, it's in Philly. So you guys are the best, by the way. Philly has always been one of my favorite wrestling reaction crowds because they usually get it right. At least because I feel they get it right. Uh, but the reaction for Big E was not one of a star that people want to get around to rally to see champion again. Usually when a champion has been wronged out of a championship or felt they were unfairly uh, relinquished of that belt, the crowd, next the next time they see them, really gets behind them to let the, the, to let the company know, hey, this is our guy. Get the damn belt back on him. I did not hear that from Big E. Big E's reaction out of 10 was like a 2 or 3 out of 10. I mean, l- barely lukewarm. It, it was bad. It was bad. And Big E, by the way, can't even help when he's in the ring not talking to the hard camera. He has been so trained and ingrained in his brain that he must be facing the front, the, the camera at all times, even if he's talking to somebody. He is the most egregious, just obnoxious promo to date when it comes to, from a production standpoint, not from a content perspective. He's decent in his content that he says. He's he's charismatic. He's bombastic. He's all these wacky things sometimes, although a very serious tone has finally shown itself in Big E, and that's, that's good. But he can't even help himself when he's talking to Seth. He's looking at the hard camera, not even looking at Seth. Does anybody else have a conversation with somebody looking the opposite way, at least completely rotating your body the opposite direction in which you're speaking to somebody? He can't even help him. I understand the hard camera is the it's the audience's eyes and they are trained very well to make sure that every time that they have anything, any big moments, they, their, their promos, everything, everything is directed and tilted towards the hard camera. I understand that that they, that that is completely just it's a part of their DNA. It's it's so hardly and roughly ingrained into them. I get that. But Big E just is the most transparently awful at it. I mean, geez. Um, but beyond that, here's another part I didn't like about this as I continue to rant about this specific segment. Whatever happened to Sonya Deville and Adam Pierce making the matches? Whatever happened to contract signings? Or are they only relevant when it comes to championship matches, of which the match has already been made? And then they go back and, I guess, just as a formality, have contract signings. Uh, but number one, if Adam Pearson and uh, Sonya Deville are the only ones who make matches, how did Big E and Seth make a match in which an official said, yep, uh, sounds good. I'm coming down because they said so. It, I, I'm, you know, How does that happen? Right. How many times have we been told Seth or rather that Adam Pearson, Sonya Deville, are the ones that make the matches around here? We've heard them say that innumerable times backstage to stars. And yet Seth and Big E immediately made a match on the spot. No questions asked. The official just comes out there like a good soldier and and considers this a real match. There's no contract signing, which always makes you wonder why contract signings even happen if there was no contract here signed. I mean, that you could say that about every match, but especially impromptu matches because there's no time to sign a contract. Did they sign it afterwards? <laughs> I know I'm, I'm really ruining 
some of the, the the logic of pro wrestling and but sometimes things need to be called out here and especially when on your own show you're saying that the WWE official are the only ones that make matches and yet you have certain stars that just make the matches and no one questions it it's got to be called out sorry it does all right um oh Alexa Bliss Alexa Bliss oh wait 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 before I get to Alexa Bliss I do want to, some of you do come to me for the raw review in terms of the results. Um, Seth Rollins defeated Big E via pinfall after a stomp. And I got to say, I was surprised about this until I forgot that Seth is actually going to be a universal champion challenger. You have to make him look as strong as possible. If you are on, you're in an actual uh, big match at the pay-per-view coming up, you will win every match going up to that usually to make you look as strong as possible to face your opponent. And so I was shocked until I realized that I also like how the stomp is being protected again, one finish to a pinfall. Great, good stuff on board. Bravo on that. And again, great match, really good match between these two. I mean, I never complain about the, the quality of the matchup, just the production, the big E camera stuff, uh, the, the logic of matches just being made, even though we're told that they can't do it, uh, all that stuff, the reaction to, to Big E. That's the stuff I'm attacking, not the work of these two individuals at all. Okay, um, but yes, so we had Alexa Bliss return in a therapist's office as her quote-unquote journey to Raw. We should have been a little more privy to that. The journey to Raw, not her return, her journey back to Monday Night Raw uh, began in a, a therapist's office in which the therapist showed her in kind of a doctor. I was worried they were going to do like a Dr. Shelby um, kind of thing where they did with Daniel Bryan and Kane back in the day, trying to make it humorous. And it wasn't humorous at all. It was supposed to be taken seriously where we had uh, Alexa bliss shown the footage of Charlotte tearing up her doll. And that made her essentially psychotic, right? And it just made her throw everything around the room and just act like a crazy person. And she is the exact same Alexa bliss, by the way. So all of us that were wondering if she was going to be different back to the back to the uh, goddess or go darker or, a hybrid. My prediction was a hybrid. Hybrid. Nope. It's the same Alexa Bliss. Same Alexa. So <laughs> it's her. And it's the same one. Um, for better or worse, we'll find out. But um, so this made her psychotic. And she screamed to end the segment. I, you know, I don't hate this. It's first of all, it's just good to see Alexa Bliss back on my screen because she's a fun character. She's she, she's she seems like an actual decent human being as a person, um, you know, I, 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 I have nothing but respect and love for Alexa bliss as a person and, and a performer, but you know, some are going to be disappointed that it's not some, some kind of different character at all. I mean, it's essentially the exact same, same outfit, everything, same makeup, nothing has changed again. We haven't seen her officially return, but you would think that one would draw the line, draw the dots to connect the dots rather to having Alexa attack Charlotte upon her return. That's what one would tend to believe, right? Except here's the problem. Charlotte's on SmackDown. Oh, wait, that's not a problem. Because she's on a different brand. Whoa, who cares? Who cares? That doesn't matter. There's no there's a brand split only when they need it to be called a brand split. Otherwise, guys, you can go over here. You can go over here. We won't explain to anybody. So, hey, <laughs> I would have said in normal world that that's a barrier to this uh, this uh, program happening. It's not Alexa bliss versus Charlotte will happen. It will happen. 
Uh, you know, it may happen immediately. It may wait till the you know uh, towards WrestleMania, but it's not a barrier to entry anymore because nobody bothers to explain why people are on their opposite shows at all. And so, if not, if Alexa just returns as this enraged, even more enraged character, then she may temporarily feud with someone on Raw until she attacks Charlotte, maybe at the Rumble or beyond. So um, that's some that's some guessing where they're going. You can't have this open ended program with Charlotte who tore up Lily. And have her not try to avenge Lily by going after Charlotte. So somehow, some way, Alexa will make her way to SmackDown. And that will be fun, I guess, if you don't care about the rules of a draft. All right. Uh, let's see. Edge and Beth Phoenix won a war of words with Miz and Maurice. So really, this was just essentially the men putting over their women. You know, and I have no problem with men putting over the women. I, I think it's great. Like, I have no problem with that. I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm all for elevating your your spouse, regardless if it's the man or woman. Like I'm all for everyone just you know elevating each other. That I think that's great. But it was almost to a sickening level, and almost to a level that was like, dude, no. If Beth Phoenix faced you, I'm sorry, you would kick her ass. Like I mean, the Miz, or I rather I'd rather Edge when he said if he was looking across the ring from his wife, he would be afraid. Stop, stop, stop. I know that the. I know the message that was supposed to send that he respects his wife so much, but it kind of, I'm sorry, dude, it kind of emasculates you. It's again, I, I think it's great. You're elevating your spouse and building the confidence of your spouse. And you're, you're trying to elevate her in the eyes of fans and publicly, you know, um, put her up on a pedestal. I get that. But dude, your edge, your edge and you, if you faced your wife in a ring, and if I ever saw her beat you, I would stop watching pro wrestling. You're kidding me. Because she has thighs that could crack a coconut? I mean, come on. I mean, that, that was a fun line. It was funny. And I like Edge. Huge fan. And I love his entrance. He's one of the best entrance music, uh, music uh, of all time. But I did not like this elevating your spouse to the nth degree to a distractingly high almost egregious degree of like, okay, th- this is yeah, great, but can we like get to the story here? And we did, you know, like we did. And we, it was all about Maurice essentially cowering and walking out on the Miz and not really walking out on him to slight him, but more in fear of Beth Phoenix. So it was in fear of Beth rather than having, I guess the perceived problem between Miz and Maurice. That's not the story. It's more of fear and that Maurice was running her mouth until Beth Phoenix showed up. And now she has to eat her words. And Phoenix said that essentially she's going to wreck her at, uh, at at the Royal Rumble. And that's it, I, I'm fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And I did enjoy the video packages on both women. It's a great kind of reminder of what both women did in their careers. Beth Phoenix, much more accomplished than Maurice. Maurice was much more physically, I guess, inclined or physically, um, physically promoted in WWE than Beth Phoenix, who was much more of a, an actual athlete and promoted as such. But, uh, yeah, so this is still a fun story. I got to say it's still fun. It is. And, um, edge pointed out that how much stronger and more physical Beth Phoenix is. And then again, Maurice, again, just kind of left in fear as Miz was still talking. So I, I just, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, Maurice will, 
I think show up. She has to show up. This match will happen. There's no fear of that. But uh, this this was an interesting an interesting night at the office, as they say. And I I just wasn't I wasn't a fan of how much that that propping up of their women happened again. People think, oh, that's great. You're, you're, it's all women empowerment. Like, okay, first of all, uh, I'm not getting political at all. I'm not getting into the feminist movement or anything like that. I'm not touching that. My point is, from a wrestling perspective, that this was just too lopsided on like elevating their women to, to almost try to make us believe that they could kick their husband's ass. Let, let's be serious. Okay, no. That, that would not happen, could not happen. I know Beth Phoenix is an extremely strong woman, but in compared to men, she's not okay. In, in the grand scheme, generally speaking of men, in athletic men, she's not, you know, and you got to be kidding me if he Edge is trying to say that, you know, if my wife was on the other side, kind of the subservient man, right? Like it, it just emasculates the dude. And it's, it's not that you need to be superior to your woman, but it's biology folks. Simple, basic biology. Basic biology tells you men have a much higher testosterone level, which it's not just not that's not just all right. Like right to their bones, right to their very DNA, they have physical advantages to women. It, that's just fact. Fact. And, and you know what? Beth Phoenix could probably beat the hell out of most women. She could. But don't tell me Edge. Uh, I'm going on to this too much. But uh, anyway. I thought it was distractingly too much, but it's still a, still a good segment and got the message across that Beth Phoenix and Edge are going to probably kick the hell out of Miz and Maurice at the Royal Rumble. That's essentially what we got told. And that's fine. I, I expect Edge and Beth Phoenix to honestly win. I, I don't see a scenario in which Miz and Maurice do because Edge is going to move on to bigger and better things. Okay. Uh, boy, boy, boy. What else do we have here? Ah, did I talk about the main event? I don't think I did. Although, wait a minute. Uh, I'm seeing a tweet from Adam Pierce that it's official uh, because that's all Adam Pierce knows how to say. Um, it is official. Those are like his, that's his three words. That's his catchphrase, I guess, uh, that Rollins and Roman Reigns for universal title is on at the Royal Rumble. You know, how that happened, no one cares to say. No one knows. Um, oh, Austin Theory took a selfie after uh, AJ Styles was uh, attacked by Grayson Waller during the match. I mean, Austin Theory and AJ didn't have a very long match before Grayson Waller interfered, and Styles and Waller are scheduled for a match on Tuesday's NXT show. So it was interesting. It was cool to see an NXT star on Raw. That can actually happen, you know. It can still happen, <laughs> as, as rare as it is. And I liked how they promoted that to get people to maybe tune into to NXT to see that match. Good stuff. Austin Theory still worrying about impressing Vince McMahon. I mean, look, Vince McMahon hired you, right? Like he hired everyone else. Why are you the one that you have to continue to impress to keep your job? Why is he not asking everyone else to continue to impress him to keep keep their job? Why are you being singled out? And I'm glad we didn't see the bumbling, fumbling, mumbo jumbo, raspy voice, subtitles needed Vince McMahon on Raw this week. I was very excited about that. Um, But uh, all right. So AJ Styles is kind of also fumbling around with Austin Theory. Eventually, I think he'll get his victory and uh, go on. Also, go on to bigger and better things because AJ has been also in a, in a rut. I gotta say. Um, okay, so let's see here. We had the main event: 
Dewdrop, Liv Morgan, and Bianca Belair. And the winner would face Becky Lynch at the Royal Rumble. So let me read the description of CBS Sports and the grade they gave it. So here's here we go. Dewdrop defeats Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair via pinfall when she pinned Morgan with a bonsai drop to win the title. To a title shot, I should say. The number one contendership. Belair had the match won after hitting Liv Morgan with the KOD, but Lynch jumped into the ring to break up the pin, leaving Morgan vulnerable to be finished off by Dewdrop. After the match, Lynch entered the ring and offered to shake Dewdrop's hand before pivoting to an attack, which Dewdrop was easily able to shrug off. So, um, yeah, this was this was fine. Yeah, and I, I, I I'm glad that they brought up the fact that uh, Liv, or, yeah, Liv Morgan was the one who was about to get pinned, and um, or she did get pinned, but also the fact that Lynch tried to attack Dewdrop and Dewdrop fought her off. Because she went for the manhandle slam and it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I, I have to say, like, this I don't think is sticking. Okay, the match was fine. Dewdrop winning with essentially with like the, uh, with, I mean, Rikishi had the same finish. There have been many names for this maneuver over the years. But I don't think this is sticking. In fact, I think it's going to be a multi It's going to be a fatal four-way. I don't see any other way unless they decide to keep it a one-on-one because the other two are going to be involved in the Royal Rumble then I see it being fine, you know, and, and then I understand if it's Dewdrop versus Becky again, another heel versus heel match. They are running thin on baby faces, aren't they? <laughs> because we got Seth versus Roman heel heel. We got Dewdrop versus Becky Lynch heel heel. So unless they feel that they're not going to be, if you're a part of a match, you can't be a part of the rumble. If that's the, the rules are going with, then they got to keep Liv Morgan and Bianca Belair out so they can be a part of the Royal rumble. And I think that's probably what they'll do is I just said, it's going to be a fatal four way. I'm thinking they will be, if I had to choose only one, they'd probably be more valuable in the Royal rumble. Uh, especially God knows that WWE needs the women bodies in the rumble to hit that 30 number. They're bringing back like, you know, 10 legends to fill, you know, out of the 30 spots uh, for the Royal rumble. And so they, they certainly need bodies in that matchup so that, you know, I'm going to stick with it. The one-on-one, and put Liv and Bianca in the Rumble to help fill spots. And we know one of them could win. I'm not saying they're just warm bodies. They, they could easily win. Honestly, both of them have uh, arguments to be made to win. Now, here's what CBS Sports said about the entire Monday Night Raw show. So I think I covered everything in Raw. But here's what CBS Sports did to wrap the whole thing up. And I'll give my wrap up as well. They said this was a rare episode of Raw with no storyline running through the entire show. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Mind you, it's out of character for the show. Lesnar and Lashley is a, a pairing so long in the making that anytime they come face to face, it feels somewhat special. As for the women's title situation, it's unfortunate, but the match was a bit clunky and the crowd was not providing much by the way of reactions for anything that happened. Still, Dewdrop is a fresh opponent for Lynch, and it's good to see not it's good not to see the lackluster feud between Lynch and Morgan extended any further. So they gave Raw a B as a whole. I'd say C plus. I'd actually take it down half of a grade here. Um, oh, the one thing too, Brock calling Bobby a Brock Lesnar wannabe. That was the the big line. I forgot to talk about that. But um, yeah, I'd give it a C plus. Like it was it was average to slightly slightly above average. It was it was an okay show. 
And it, it you know, I think it accomplished several goals. It moved storylines forward. It added a couple of matches to the Royal Rumble. Um, you know, it, it, it definitely moved things forward. It was eventful. Raw Tag Team Championships being lost for my longstanding Raw Tag Team Championship run. And I say that, again, in relative terms to today's standards of long-term title run. Um, it also created a Raw Championship match for the women's side. Um, it had a breakup of a tag team, another heel turn uh, by uh, by Nikki Cross, which I think is well-deserved and I think is going to be much bene- very beneficial to her career. So a decent Raw, an okay Raw to uh, head into Rumble, which we are only three weeks away now. So that is it for my Monday Night Raw review. Everybody, thank you so much. Consider hitting a five-star rating and review on Spotify or and Apple Podcasts or going ad-free with us. You can do that directly on Apple Podcasts with the subscribe button. There's an ad-free button at the top of the page or on Patreon where you get a Discord server to chat with everybody about wrestling that's on the Discord server at any time. It's a private little chat area, as well as um, everything ad-free. Hundreds of shows ad-free. So thank you, as always, everybody. Tomorrow I'll be back with the mailbag. So send in your questions, your comments, your concerns to our email at gmail.com. And uh, I will be happy to email or read the emails and respond to them tomorrow. I'll try not to do it in two parts tomorrow. Last week was a disaster. So I'll try I'll try my best. But sometimes it takes hours to get through your guys' content and respond to it. So uh, I appreciate it. It's, I'm not complaining. I do appreciate it. So everybody, thank you so much. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time. Let's talk about supplements for just a minute. The market of supplements is overcrowded, right? It's oversaturated. There's too many to choose from. You just don't know which one you want. You don't know which one's effective, what has potential harmful side effects. Well, I have one that I can tell you with confidence is not only not going to give you any of those negative side effects, but also will provide you with the energy that's sustainable. It doesn't have those crashes. And the product I'm talking about is called Energy Boost. It's from a company called Vitali Boost, and they sell a bunch of other great products. But you can check out the website at vitaliboost.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. So what makes Energy Boost so great? Well, it's made from natural, clinically researched ingredients that include caffeine, B vitamins, and other energy-stimulating nutrients. And it's perfect whether you're working out, gaming, studying, or during those intimate times with your partner. Not only does Energy Boost give you sustained, powerful energy, It's also specifically formulated to avoid those negative effects that I was talking about that some people experience with just consuming caffeine alone. I'm a massive coffee drinker. I can tell you the crash is no fun, right? We all know that. Those of us that are Starbucks aficionados or um, wherever you may get your coffee, we all know what that does. This is not going to give you that crash. And Vitality Boost, by the way, is a leader in the supplement uh, energy market. And customers absolutely love them. Right now, they have a 92% five-star review on Judge Me. It's a third-party review platform that only accepts reviews from verified purchases, so you know they're not just creating these manufactured uh, manufactured reviews. These are real people 
reviewing the product, honestly. And 92% is a, an amazing, amazing uh, five-star rating review. So check out Energy Boost today, risk-free. You can go to vitaliboost.com. Again, that's V-I-T-A-L-I boost.com. You use our promo code WWE for a discount. But if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the science behind Energy Boost, visit my Vitaly Boost's health guide at vitaliboost.com. Uh, again, V-I-T-A-L-I-Boost.com. And right there, you'll find information from peer-reviewed academic journals about the active ingredients in all of Vitaly Boost supplements. All of these supplements, by the way, are made in the United States. That's cool. And a reminder, go to VitalyBoost.com and use our promo code WWE. You'll get a discount on the Energy Boost and all of their other great supplements. So don't miss out, guys. Go check out Energy Boost. And again, it's vitaliboost.com, V-I-T-A-L-I-Boost.com.